0: Maybe we should bring one of my rivals on this oh, podcast really, that'd be sick. and i go head to head like looking yeah, in yeah. We'll an eye contest <laughs> like
1: a boxing match <laughs> looking in the eye
0: Welcome to Happy Millionaire a show about how to make profit with a positive impact
1: and stay happy along the way
0: I saw you on TV obviously you go on TV a lot right but I saw you were on some like talk show on ITV <laughs> yeah. and it looks so perfect right like I've seen you before, I've seen you in a few shows, and it just like it looks, everything just looks incredible.
1: Mm. Uh, what's really going on? Like, is there <laughs> is it is there as smooth as it can be? Quite chaotic. It was very last minute. I got the call up like six days before they went filming. It's interesting because you've got like six or seven minutes, hit your lines, you've already got the questions pre sort of prepared. You just have your your segment and then you're whisked away, and then that's it. I was just here that, yeah, you just get thrown in, right? And there's sometimes not even much script. It's just literally freestyle, but sometimes it's super scripted. It's kind of um, pre-booked banter. It's Mm. like, oh, uh, what were you doing last week? I saw something on Instagram. Let's talk about that. And, uh, you know, there there might be a joke that we say before going live. I'm like, let's do that again. And we're going to do it again. And you have to, like, laugh in a certain (laughs) way. And you have to, like, you know, re-sort of live that, that excitement or that, like, giggle that you had. Uh, for the show and I, I, I don't know I just I, 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 I don't like being that mm. kind of contrived um, so I, I just prefer the long form format of like podcasts and stuff like that you know. So my topic
0: is about intensity right okay. intensity matters and you know this and maybe some people listening may know I'm a huge boxing fan right it's mm. my it's my favorite sport and like, I feel like we're all like gladiators in life. Like we go work in our jobs, in our careers. And you know, we work really, really hard. We deal with pressure situations. Um, and I feel like the most intense job is being a boxer. Mm. Like you are going in that ring. And what I find most fascinating about boxing is the training camp. So before you fight someone in the boxing ring, right, you go in um camps which are usually 8 to like 12 weeks and in there you have to like eat really well you have to do sparring so you, you know fight with other people you do lots of mindset work you do strategy work like there's so much to it yeah however the best boxers are doing exactly the same things but just doing it more intensively that is it it just made me think like when i think of my work Because I've had a few people that join my companies or start working, they say, Wow, you're really, really intense sometimes. And I know I am in my Mm. work. So when I'm like running meetings or when I'm fundraising, and I can share some examples
1: of that. But before I do, I just can you relate to what I'm saying? I 100%, I definitely relate to it because I think I'm intense in a different way. So I'm intense when it comes to things like routines, things like being strict with my time management, things like replying to emails, like you might meet me and just think, oh, Rupee's pretty laid back or Ruby's pretty chilled and stuff. But in the back of my head, I'm like I'm very intense when it comes to anything to do with my business or work and stuff. And the intensity sort of shows itself when you look at the, you know, amount of output I'm putting out in terms of pods, content, social media, books, the app, all that kind of stuff, right? Right. Um so yeah, the intensity I, I definitely get and I definitely get that from you because again, looking at the accolades, looking at what you've done thus far, and also I I'll never forget this um thing you said. Maybe you're about to talk about it. I don't wanna like no, 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 show on that your that. parade or anything. But um I think it was I met George. Is he one of your co-founders? No, it'd be no. He was or at Jow, that's yeah, yeah. it, yeah, yeah. You just complete a round and uh you told me before, like you went into Street Fight mode, which I love. I love. I've never seen Street Fight mode, but I spoke to Zhao about it, and it was like, yeah. So apparently, he like uh, he he went pretty pretty intense, and Zhao just looked at me, and was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was it was amazing. <laughs> so yeah. go
0: on, t- tell me, yeah, about. I can tell you about fundraising. Like, I think yeah. fundraising is like so. If you have a startup you, and you want to raise money, you go through a funding fundraising process. Yeah. What people don't realize is that a lot of the fundraisings actually, like those conversations actually start way before you need the money. Like Mm. you need to build the relationships. There's this whole aspect of building these relationships, going out for coffees, lunches. You know, when you've got loads of other things going on, you have to go meet these people, right? Because no one wants to essentially put money in your business in like, you know, like a two, three week period or a month, right? It's like a one night stand. No one wants to do that, right? Mm. Everyone wants to basically get to know you a bit better. Mm. So that's very important. And I advise a lot of founders now, right? And I realize what I do different to them. Like when the the pressure starts hitting in on fundraising, so let's say you want to go raise a million dollars or 10, 20, whatever it is, Mm. right? You've got this, specific period of time where you're going to meet everyone, right? And, you know, you might want to meet 10 people. I'll choose to go meet like 25, 30. I'll do as many as I can, right? At the same time, you know, my my the information I put together, I put together investment memos. So, you know, let's say you want to invest in a business, they create this like six, seven page deck, right? Or ten page deck. I create a full memo memo. So it is a 25 page document of Mm -hmm. why they should invest in me. I do the research and work for the investors. And what's really different with me as well is that I see a lot of entrepreneurs, they want to go off on holiday, when halfway through the fundraising process, they're going, man, I'm so tired, like I want to take a break. I'm like, no, 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 you got to stay in the lane. You have to, you cannot go take that holiday until the money's done Mm -hmm. or you signed at least a term sheet, which is the first phase. And if you want to be great in a startup, I just know in certain moments, you have to put that intensity dial up, like you have to find that extra gear. You know, it's all about momentum you know, I think we're all that momentum is so, so important in startups. And I don't know, intensity, all I can say is
1: I just feel intensity matters in like, all the great stuff. This is kind of validating how I've been feeling over the last couple of months, actually, that I've been having all these conversations and like meeting people and, you know, video calls, coffees, all that kind of stuff, without actually giving anyone the means or, you know, the go ahead to like, okay, yes, I'm raising now, but I'm just sort of like putting feelers out. And I feel like initially I was kind of just wasting time. Like, you know, I should really just be like, Focusing on the business one hundred percent, but actually, what you just said now is actually quite validating for all the work that I've been putting in over the last few months. Because I can now turn back to those people, and be like you know what, the the deck that I showed you, you know the 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 business uh, trajectory and the product roadmap and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's go time now, and like mm. you know, we're at this stage, and this is what we're going to be doing. So i have kind of like been softly building up those relationships. So
0: yeah, no, it's great. I think you know those coffees are good, and then just get more like on a newsletter like essentially give them regular updates yeah. So don't you know I know you met them you know a year ago or 6 months ago but keep them like up to date with all your metrics like create like a
1: monthly or quarterly newsletter that's really important you know it's interesting you talk about intensity right because uh, a mutual friend of ours Ash Ashkarai who started MediShout, he uh, I remember like 6 7 years ago this is before I invested in his company 6 year, 7 years ago I was with him at a, a Medics conference uh whatever it was uh, like medical devices conference And um, we're on the way back. Uh, It was in Munich, I think. Uh, On the way back, and he's on the computer, and he's got this long Excel spreadsheet with literally like I don't know. He was on column like three hundred something. He was filling in all these details, looking at his phone, filling in. I was like, mate, what are are you doing? He's like, "Uh, I'm I'm filling in uh, all the information that I have on the people that I met. At this conference and he'd been doing this for literally like two or three years prior and so when it came around to him fundraising like literally years later he hit up all these contents and i remember thinking to myself man he is he's intense and that's good that Mm. that you need that sort of dedication i mean don't get me wrong he's still got married he's still got like a very happy lifestyle he still you know has time out but when it's time to work, he's found the extra gear and I know he can, yeah. No, I love it. Do you remember Poppy? Uh, I've I've mentioned her to you, Poppy Jamie. Oh, yeah, you did. She started this app called Happy Not Perfect a few years ago. Back like, similar time to Calm, but um, we had coffee this morning and, uh, dude, she's super inspiring. I think she's going to be you're going to want her to be a co-host because she's into spirituality. Amazing. She's into uh, everything to do with um, uh, horoscopes and, and astrology in general. She's awesome. Yeah, so we should bring her on. All right, what have you got? On the subject of happiness, I was at a, a wedding, a small wedding this uh, weekend. And um, I think it's easy to think that we want to optimize for higher revenues, uh, like a nicer car, a nicer house and all that kind of stuff. But this weekend's experience really sort of framed exactly what I'm trying to optimize for. And so I'll set the scene for you. We went down to Surrey. It was um, one of Rochelle's best friends' weddings. Um, They've got a place in in Cobham. It's a lovely area. You know, if people don't know it, you've got lovely sort of like suburbia and like nice um, uh, grass lawns, you know, the kind of place where people say hello to each other, right? Which is unusual in in the UK, or at least in London. Um, And uh, we went there and it was a a small wedding. It was probably about 25, 30 people, close family, very close friends only, one long table. Uh, It was a beautiful summer's day. Um, And we had all these generations around this table, right? I was sat next to the grandma, her great-grandchildren like running around. I remember just taking a moment and just thinking, I really want every weekend or every other weekend to be just like this, surrounded by my closest friends, my closest family, without having to have the excuse of a wedding for us to all sort of like congregate, but where we get to spend good quality time, it must have only been about three or four hours, right? Uh, It was catered for, we had all these people around, you know, everyone was just in a chill level. And that for me is pure wealth. And that for me is happiness. And it's sort of, I don't think I'm going to veer off that because really what I'm trying to optimize for is that scenario every single weekend and um it's framed the the way i think about how much money one needs to achieve that and i think the one thing i i want listeners to take away from is I think we're more wealthy than we actually lead ourselves to believe because we're constantly looking at what we see on our social media feeds or what society is is telling us that is true happiness or or true wealth. And I think you know if you have that environment where you can call up a few people or you have close family or you have like generations where you can actually you know bounce ideas across, that for me is true wealth, man. I always find when you're in experiences like that like you feel because you're in a very peaceful
0: joyful place right it just centers you and i think that's the moment mm. when you know you start going in a state of you know, happiness or joy. Like, cause I think happiness and so like, it feels like it was a happy moment, mm. but at the same time, there was so much happiness in there. It just, like, really centered you and you hit that joyful state. So I think joyful is really what we all strive for and really um, happy for you that you had that uh, Yeah,
1: definitely. That moment. Man. I'll tell you another reason why I've been thinking about this, right? I mentioned it on the podcast. um I, I don't know when it was, uh, but th- you know, I, I read this book by Luke Burgess called Wanting, and it's basically. Uh, a modern adaptation on mimetic theory which is uh, long story short, this like French philosopher in the 1950s or 60s, I believe he came up with this theory of mimetic uh, desire, which is basically why humans desire things. Though we think that we want things autonomously, like I want to uh, have a Ferrari because of the, the engine and, and the color and, and because I'm really into cars and, and all that kind of stuff. You can rationalize the reasons as to why you want a luxury car. But in reality, and maybe you don't want to admit it to your or it's a subconscious force. The reality is you assign a certain value to that car because you've seen it somewhere. You've Mm. tried to model yourself on a lifestyle that you're trying to achieve based on someone that you know or someone that you aspire to be having said car. Like a rapper. Uh, What like a rapper? Like a rapper, yeah, (laughs) exactly. And actually, rappers are a pretty good example because rappers are always trying to outdo each other with more and more jewels and more and more like you know, uh, I don't know, accolades. Whether it be Grammys, whether it be uh, like better videos, whether it be bigger houses. You know, that is mimetic theory in action because they're modeling their behaviour on what they've seen in in other scenarios. And so this sort of idea of mimetic theory, I now see everywhere. So if you think about like um, fragrance adverts, right? There, there is no reason why I should want to buy uh, Sauvage, but I can't remember who it's by. Let's uh, say, I know. It's Dior. Dior, there you go. Dior <laughs> I've, just got straight, it. You I've got it. You got it. it. You yeah, got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's
0: actually all right. Yeah. So
1: there's nothing in that advert that features Johnny Depp that ascribes any... Value to the the aftershave at all. I don't know what sort of like perfume notes there are. I don't know sort of how it's sourced. I don't know what the quality of the ingredients are. All I know is that Johnny Depp wears it, and that makes yeah. me want to. Well, it doesn't make me, but it makes a lot of people want to have said aftershave. I think what's fascinating as well is sometimes I don't know when you were thinking
0: of the example, I thought of I don't know why I have just the Kanye West documentary came to my head Mm. and, like, Kanye West wanted to be, like, the next Jay-Z, right? Yes. And so Jay-Z, you know, um, signs up Kanye West and then eventually, like, Kanye West has got this huge personality and tries to overtake Jay-Z. Like, everyone publicly knows that, right? So now you've got... Kanye West wants to be Jay-Z, but actually wants to be bigger than Jay-Z and then they have this massive feud or... Because it's basically two huge alpha males going at it, and yep. then eventually they separate and they have you know arguments, etc. Right? Yeah. But I guess that's also one of the big dangers, right?
1: Mimetic theory in action leads to rivalry. Exactly yeah. what you just said because it's it's weird because it's kind of like unspoken. Even in friendships, there is. Mimetic desire. So let's say you desire, um, I don't know, a particular flat or like an apartment, and you're like, it's got the sick apartment, it's three bedrooms, it's got a spiral staircase, it's got a pool in there. I subconsciously now want to have the same apartment because you, my friend, someone who I associate with, someone I, you know, in certain uh, elements aspire to, want said apartment. And that's why I want that as well. The same thing can be said the other way. Like now I'm getting married. Maybe Jay Rady wants to get married as well. I'm not saying you do, but maybe those kind of thoughts begin to percolate in your head and actually you desire the same thing as me because I desire it as well. So basically what my theory is, is like it's easier to desire something when it's been desired or realized first. And something I wrote down when I when I was making notes on on the book, it's easier to desire something when it has first been desired first. So exactly in the same vein as the Kanye uh, Jay Z thing, you know, Jay Z has got this uh, amazing career. Kanye once said amazing career. Same thing happens in history. Alexander the Great conquered, you know, most of Asia. Suddenly, Julius Caesar, who also sees Alexander the Great as an equal person but in a different time, wants to have the same achievement, if not more, than his adversary or someone he aspires to be like Alexander the Great.
0: Yeah, no, I like it. I think it's, um, what you probably find is both people will up their game, hopefully. It's actually a good thing. Hopefully it's done in a a friendly, nice way because, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, I also see that in relationships with, like, mentors and mentees, right? Um... I've had certain friends who've had mentees who, you know, they teach them everything. They're really nice and suddenly next thing they know, they're trying to overtake them. And, Mm. you know, there is this element of, um, I think you find very ambitious people are very competitive, right? So I can see the the great things in that it's inspiring, but it creates rivalry. But I guess that's just human nature as well to some degree.
1: This is pure human nature. Mm. So, it, it, you know, mimetic behavior is seen in babies. Like, they learn to want things based on what they see other people wanting. So, you know, you that classic environment, I don't know if you've got, like, nieces and stuff, but you see a, a little baby and they have a toy and then suddenly the other one wants the <laughs> toy. That's mimetic behavior in action mm. and it's before they even began to vocalize as well, before they can even use words to express how they're feeling. So mimesis is like this driving cultural force that's kind of taboo to talk about because of the reasons that we've just talked about. You know, you don't want to demonstrate that you're jealous or you don't want to demonstrate that you you have a rival, but that's very much human nature. And so the, the, the trick, I, I guess the takeaway for me and perhaps the listener might be is to observe mimetic behavior and action and actually try to figure out if possible what your true desires are because it's very easy to model your desires and other people's instead of your own and going full circle back to that sort of environment where i was i was at this table and this wedding and this a beautiful environment that wasn't me modeling my desires on having a wedding just like this. It was me actually wanting to capture this feeling, this energy that I want to sort of experience. This sort of, you know, the closeness of people, the sort of like, you know, the richness of the emotions that people had amongst you. That's the kind of family environment that I want to aspire mm. to. And it's actually closer than a lot of people realize. I always find that you've got to really
0: be able to differentiate when you're being like envious, right? Yeah. Or... Like, cause there's envious, jealousy, and then all inspiring. So whenever I, you know, see situations, and like, you know, I'm like, we all get triggered, right? We see yeah. something we're well, like we want that, right? And I just, I really just ask, like, is this really good for my life? I I ask myself like three, four times before I go chasing, cause I can, um, you know, I'm like I'm ambitious, probably like most people listening, and I want to try to make the most out, want to maximize my life, mm. right, to some degree, like make the most out of it, mm. and yeah, just being um, careful on that is really important. And
1: this is very true, I think, in the entrepreneurial environment that we both live in, right? Because you can sort of model... And this is why I wanted to bring it up with you, actually, because it comes back to your spiritual side. But you can model your desires based on what you see. Oh, so-and-so's got a unicorn company. I want a unicorn company. Or like so-and-so, uh, you know, uh, made the 30 under 30 list. I want to be 30 under 30 or 40 under 40 or whatever it is. You know, it's very easy to to become that, that way and triggered by that because, you know, our smartphones give us billions of impressions every single time that we we utilize them. It's very easy to be exposed to, to desires that are mimetic in nature. And I guess what the, the sort of typical Silicon Valley uh, trajectory of an entrepreneur is, you, get, you become an entrepreneur, you have a good exit, maybe you do another company, you become financially independent. You can either Continue along the escalation of ever more and more accolades, you know, unicorn, decacorn, yeah. whatever, um, or you can go the spiritual path. And mm. that's sort of like where I see you sort of ending up. And, it, you know, people might think of it as cliche. I think it's pretty mature. And so, my, my question to you is now that you know a bit more about mimetic theory that we've just been talking at, do you see sort of the the trend towards you going, you know, and and learning a bit more about yoga and and sadhguru as a mentor and all these kind of things. Do you see that as like a bucking the trend from like wanting ever more, you know, uh, uh, aspirations or ever more sort of revenues from companies or like, you know, I think every human um, realizes that the
0: chasing the hedonic chase on the treadmill just yeah. never works, right? And that's why I worked out. It was just it was never going to work if I keep on trying to grab all these gold coins like mario kart or something like mario and it's just it was never gonna make me happy right so i had to find a game which was gonna make me happy and that's the the inner the inner game right Mm. and hence i think everyone will find their game you know i think what we've discussed today is like one of the challenges in this world is yeah the, the element of just trying to collect all these coins and um
1: you know it just never ends so but i think look collecting coins are good as long as you're doing it from a good place well this is the thing this is why i think happy millionaire as a concept or happy millionaire the podcast or you know why people are tuning in is because you can have your cake and eat it you can aspire to create companies with incredible wealth and and you know achieve all those things that you you might generally want to feel as long as you're aware that you're not doing it just out of the chase or just to better your rivals or whatever. And so, you know, just because you've gone down the route of trying to play the game of optimizing your inner game and, you know, becoming happy and focusing on happiness in yourself doesn't mean that you can't also play the other game of building companies and mm. raising money and like doing all that kind of stuff. And that that's the the sort of balance of
0: I think what changed it for me was just having like that purpose statement for me. So it was like bringing joy to work. Like that was my statement. So I'm only gonna do work that, or you know, anything that I do has to bring more joy to work. Mm. Yes, it's joy to work in life, but I my niche was because I because uh, I work you know hard. I'm in entrepreneurship. I you know that's where I can hopefully give people some insights and wisdom around that topic. So as long as you know, you know how you want to serve and you want to like help. Um, once you know that, it just means that whatever, whenever you are on this treadmill, like as long as you've got that thought in your mind, it should hopefully stop you from going too far. You do yeah. it from the right way. Anything on the app? What's the latest on the app? Any um... oh, the app stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I
1: actually spoke to a couple of people over the last one and a half weeks. One guy, basically, he uh, was a friend of um, Ian's who, who started Fit, F-I-I-T. I don't know if you've come across it before. It's really cool, really cool fitness app. They started okay. a few years ago, ex-Google guys, co-founded it, raised a bunch of money. Oh, Ian.
0: Yeah, Ian. That rings a bell, so I think he was... Um weirdly i think he used to compete with me at your yes drive. he a Qubit, did yeah you know he a cubit yeah yeah oh, okay.
1: he does know you yeah because <laughs> i mentioned i was doing this podcast and he was like jay isn't jay rodia and i was like yeah <laughs> i've never actually met him we have to talk about competitiveness on another pod actually because i find it weird like to be maybe we should bring one of my rivals on this oh, podcast really, that'd be sick. and i just go head to head like looking, at yeah, him with yeah, yeah. an eye
0: contest like a boxing match
1: <laughs> looking in the eye yeah, well like know. a
0: current rival <laughs> yeah. or an old rival oh
1: that's a good one
0: um yeah that's a good question well let's do the X. Ex-
1: Right, we'll, we'll start well, with the we'll, X ones we'll, first. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll see how that goes. That would
0: be really interesting. So I'm friends with a few of them, but yeah, I feel that would be. I actually, you know, weirdly, I'm friends with a lot of my competitors, and yeah. um, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Because you never know what's going to happen.
1: Anyway, yeah. So I was chatting to him and he introduced me to another friend of his called Alistair. And he does benchmarking exercises for large organizations at 50 to 200 people. Because, interesting company, actually, you know, you might have remote employees in like Croatia and India and like America, like working all over the place. How do you know what is the right amount to pay them based on all the different inputs that they have, you know, cost of living, all that kind of stuff? Anyway, he said to me, look, what you need is someone to look after the technical side. You need a CTPO. I haven't even heard of this. I didn't even realize they existed. A a chief technical product officer. And in some companies, they exist. I don't don't think they're the norm, but I looked at a few and um, they do exist. There's someone with technical skills, but also strategy skills who can lead Small product uh, teams, but also have the the technical expertise to you know yeah, execute yeah. as well. They sometimes called like CTOs,
0: right? But they're from product backgrounds, but they okay. can understand product engineering. So yeah, there's you know, let's say you are a commercial, like focused CEO or co- yeah. a commercial co-founder, right? Um, yeah, the ultimate person you're a tag team with is someone who knows product and tech. So hence the 100%. CPTO. But yeah. they are. They're rare because it's rare for a product person
1: to understand the engineering side as yeah. well. But I was reading this article actually on um I can't remember what it was, but I'll link to it in the show notes about the engineering shortage right now, just globally. You know, just everyone's after tech people, and you know there's a number of excuses. You know, the Googles and the Facebooks of this world are just paying them exorbitant fees, so it's very hard to, for small startups to um, acquire them, and even very well-funded startups are paying crazy fees. So someone who isn't well funded is not going to attract the right talent for whatever mm. reason. But the key drivers to someone from that background wanting to join a company, one is purpose, and equity is sort of important. But I think that the mission is is the, one of the most important things. Yeah. I, I feel like we've got you know an incredible missions to help people leverage the power of food to improve their health, well being, and lifestyle. Yeah, um, which is one of the. The biggest issues to, to solve right now. Yeah,
0: I think we talked about on a on the episode on like for you to try to find that co-founder. Mm. It's it's bloody hard, dude. It's like it's like dating, right? You're, yeah. you're 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 gonna have to meet a lot of people. So I just I think it's good you speak to these people. I think the most important thing you can do is. You know, when you meet them, just ask them, "Hey, who are the top three best people you worked with?" Yeah, I think you just got to get used to asking that question. Yeah, and I know you've. This is the thing I find: so many people in startups are just afraid to ask for help. Mm. I just think you just need to. Like you never actually ask You know what? You've never ever asked me. Hey, do you, do I know three? Like, I haven't. Uh, you've never. asked No, me. I don't think I've <laughs> like, asked you. I just would have assumed you would have told me. No, I just, <laughs> no. I thought you'd find it yourself. So then I didn't really. Um, go into my library
1: in my head talking about that. No, loud. but you're right. I don't think weird. people do it enough. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Have you been watching Indian matchmaking know, in the second series? No. One of the characters is this Gujarati girl who's super successful, really driven. Gujarati Indian girl, right? Yeah, Gujarati yeah, yeah. Indian girl. She's on this date and he asks her, like, how many dates have you been in over the last like three, four years? And she's literally like four. And it's to say, it's just like if you don't, Get the numbers up. If you don't start having those conversations, if you don't yeah, yeah. start dating, like you've just been telling me, then it's a numbers game. You're not you're mm. not going to win the game. Mm. So I basically, yeah, this is my wake up call to start dating more often. All right. So uh, our good friend um, Amit's
0: come to torture us now.
2: So <laughs> Ruby, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I ramble on a bit today.
2: Yeah, good episode, guys. Uh, I think um, Jay. Ratings-wise, um, I'm going to give you about a three. Oh
0: no, three. yeah. yeah. Oh, the, sure. the, the, the
2: reason being, like the the first three few episodes, yeah, down, yeah. the, no, the, the first from a nine point two to a three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, fair. No, it's because before you were in the championship, the division one, but now you're in the Premier League. The second topic was uh, happiness and what are you optimizing for, and then like we, well, you guys switched into memetic theory. Some things are so easy to measure, like money, mm. what school your kids go to, or where you're working, whereas these. Softer things about like the connections you have, the way you spend your moments there—they're they're much harder to measure. And uh, unless you really know what makes you happy, you're always going to start yeah. looking to get that validation from yeah. other people. Yeah,
1: we don't prize it as much, I don't think, in society. This sort of um, the intangible, the softer yeah. sort of elements. And I, I think you're right. When you start. When you learn about it, you see it everywhere. Yeah. And you sort of know why, like, you know, rock stars who have got all this uh, incredible success or success, quote-unquote, that, you know, whether it's awards, whether it's show tickets and stuff, and they go down the other path of, like, drugs because they're trying to figure out, like, what makes them happy, how they're going to get that dopamine hit, instead of actually looking at the moments between the moments. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds a bit cliche, but it's it's true.
2: And there's, like, a another aspect to it as well because like everyone's in a, like, a competition and then some people get to the stage where they're like, oh shit, I'm never going to win this competition so they go the other way mm. where all they do is like meditation become Buddhist, mm. they just like give up everything it's almost mimetic theory in reverse you're still really caring about what other people think but you're sort of like fuck you, I'm not going to play this game yeah. and it's still like the same way, you're, you're still trying to get a reaction out of people and then I think ultimately you get to a stage that you that you realise what makes you happy, and then just the flip side, I, which you guys talked about, was like, competition does breed excellence, though. So you there's like a there's it's sort of a paradox, there, yeah right? there's I yeah guess. there's a paradox. You because you do. I think you probably want to pick your game freely, but then once you're in that game, you almost need that competition to like spur you to mm. that next level. I always say
0: to people that yeah, I'm ridiculously competitive. Um, but I want everyone to win. It's like so weird, right? Like you want, like I'm so, like if I'm head to head with someone like in business, like I want to win and I will do whatever it takes to win, right? But at the same time, if they beat me, it's cool, they beat me, but like they beat me fair and square, hopefully, and I appreciate that and I want them to do good. And even if like I do win, I still want my competitors to, to do good, weirdly I do, because I just want them to hopefully get their justice of
1: whatever they deserve, right? I think that's the exception, not the norm. Yeah, I think your perspective is very novel.
0: Because I think, you know, when you think about com- competitors, especially in anything you do, these are the people that are walking the same journey, the same road yeah. as you. It's super rare, mm. right? Like, just think, I'm a tech entrepreneur in this specific area, or, hey, I'm a doctor in this specific area, and yes, they might be competing for your job or your funding or whatever, but these are the guys that have decided to walk the same road out of the billions of people. Yeah. They're walking side by side on the road with you. Mm-hmm. I think it's like you should get to know them. Yeah. Right? It's quite, it's, these are your traveling
2: friends. So in terms of you finding your uh, business partner, um, so th- there's this thing about like dating a lot, but I, I don't know, like... You know, when you first start dating or something, like, especially if you're on apps, you're almost like, okay, I want a girl who's Mm. like, maybe has this job and like, she's like, you you kind of have a criteria and you do need to go on a lot of dates. But then, like, when you know, you just know, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, you you have the intuition. You have the intuition. Mm. And it's almost like when uh, we found our production company for this podcast, like Fascinate Productions, they like... Out of everyone that we interviewed, like straight away, you could like tell there was like a yeah, connection. Yeah. People in that shape, yeah.
0: And we had some good drinks together. It was yeah. fun. Um, no, great episode, Amit. Thanks for
2: um, jumping in as always. Yeah. And um, do you want to stay Premier League next time? Or <laughs> <laughs> should <laughs> I, should <laughs> I bring you back? Like, if I give you the Just Championship? Fine, break. <laughs> wobble, no, 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 <laughs> oh, no it's, it's fine. What? No, three is good
0: because I, I can only get better, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's good, yeah. and hopefully the listeners will cheer me on because I need some moral support after that. Beat.